She's so lucky. She's a star, but she cry, cry, cries in her lonely heart, thinking if there's nothing missing in my life, then why do these tears come at night? This is a story about a girl named Brittany. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Let me ask you this. Have you ever wanted to be famous? Like, really famous? Like, everyone knows who you are. I bet you have. But then maybe when you think about it, you think, well, going to the grocery store, the first time somebody sees you, say, oh, you're you. Can I have your autograph? Well, what does that feel like the 10th time, the 100th time, the 1,000th time? What if you have a child and now people want pictures of your child? What if they want to hold your child? How is that different? And what does fame do to us? How does it change the way we grow, the way we see ourselves? Today we're talking about uh, someone who is famous from when I was growing up. Her music was played at every high school dance, every party I went to, uh, Britney Spears. And she's come back up into the cultural conversation recently. Lots of different conversations about the way we treat young women, about the way we we relate to fame, about control and power and sexuality. And so we're going to cover all those topics today. I'm Mike Tenney. I am a Catholic worship leader and speaker. I spent 14 years as a Catholic high school theology teacher in the classroom and also trying to make it as a rock star with my band at night. And I love having conversations with people about big topics, especially as when we can do that with music and with movies. My guest today is one of my longtime friends, one of my best friends over the past 20 years. Her name is Julia Struckley. She runs the podcast called Seven Mile Chats, where she chats with people about the scripture verses that are important in their lives. She's also a media literacy teacher, and she is an expert, and she has a passion for the media and using it to spread the love of God and looking at the media and what are its good effects and what are its bad effects. So I am super excited to have Julia here with us today. But let me, before we dive into it, let me tell you a little bit about Awaken Catholic. Please go to awakencatholic.org to find out more, and you can help everything that we're doing here. We are a media evangelization organization, and we try to bring truth, goodness, and beauty into people's lives through live events, through YouTube shows and podcasts and, and all sorts of stuff. And if you want to support our mission here, go to awakencatholic.org slash donate, and you can become part of the Awaken Nation by making a monthly donation. And you get access to exclusive content, talks by people like me. I've, I've done some music stuff that'll be exclusive for people um, who are part of the Awaken Nation as well, um, and other show hosts as well. So um, it'll help you. You get access to exclusive content. You can also help feed my children and our uh, children of the other people who <laughs> uh, help out at Awaken Catholic, and you keep just the, the shows running in the studio happening. So uh, please, please, please join us in our mission. Uh, we would love to have you along for the ride. You can also become a deeper part of the Awaken Catholic community by downloading the Awaken app. You can go to theawakenapp.io or just search for it on the, the App Store or the Google Play Store. And it's a Catholic community online. Uh, the show hosts are on there. You can chat with us, give us ideas for shows or continue the conversation from a show. And it's just, it's a place where Catholics can gather online and try to avoid a lot of the toxicity that infects a lot of social media and unfortunately even some Catholic places 
uh, on social media. So please join us on the Awaken app. There's some exclusive content there as well. Last thing I want to tell you about is the Hallow app. If you're somebody like me who struggles to make daily prayer a part of your life on a consistent basis, then you got to download the Hallow app. Um, you can do the rosary, Lexi Divina, Daily Examine. Uh, it's got Father Mike Schmitz on there talking about the Bible. It's one of the, the biggest podcasts in the world right now. Um, you can have Jesus from the uh, the Chosen miniseries, the actor that plays Jesus. He'll like lull you to sleep with biblical reflections. Um, so there's all sorts of cool stuff on there. And you can get a free month of the premium app if you go to hallow.app slash awaken. And if you use that link, uh, not only do you get a free month of the app, but it also helps us out a little bit. So, and of course you can always help the show just by liking, subscribing, sharing, sending to someone who, who loves Britney Spears or just loves music or would be interested in this conversation to say, Hey, this would be interesting. And, 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 and send it to them and, uh, you know, give us a rating on your iTunes, on your, um, podcast app. All that stuff is super helpful to us. So let's get into it. Julia, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. And you're doing so many cool things. I'm happy to be here. Oh, you're doing so many cool things. I'm I'm happy to have you (laughs) on. When I, when I, Julie and I, we've, we've been friends for a long time. We went to college together at Catholic U. Um, We were involved in music together. We did a lot of music ministry and um, you're a great piano player and singer. A lot of, you know, we harmonize and we've done a lot of ministry together. Um, And we always love pop music. We always talk about pop music. I remember back, you had had a pop music blog that you were running for a while back in the day. (laughs) And uh, even times in our lives when we weren't as well connected and, you know, maybe we'd go months without connecting. I I feel like I would, it wasn't unusual to get like a message from you. It was like, hey, check out this song. Or we'd like send music to each other. Um, yeah, absolutely. So Especially if it had to do with uh, NSYNC or boy bands. So that's definitely my specialty. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just thankful for your friendship and thankful for you being here. Tell us um, about uh, some of the projects that you've been a part of, uh, you've been doing recently. Sure. Sure. So um, as Mike mentioned earlier, my name is Julia Struckley. I'm originally from outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I went to Catholic U with Mike. That's how we know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, So my bachelor's is actually in media studies. So this is totally up my alley. As Mike mentioned, I am um, a media literacy teacher. Right now I teach middle school, but I've also taught high school. I also have a master's in theology. So I, I teach religion and theology as well. I teach scripture. And as Mike mentioned right now in the quarantine last year, I was kind of um, you know, not sure what teaching was going to be like in the fall and, um, I needed a project. So I started a podcast like everybody else in 2020. Yeah. And I love, I love scripture. So, um, the premise of the show, it's called seven mile chats, as Mike mentioned is, uh, each week I interview somebody about a favorite scripture passage of theirs. And we talk a little bit about it. We give historical context. We try to apply it to today's world. I just think there's so much misconception out there about scripture. And so, um, that is, that's the goal and the premise, but I, de- and, I know scripture is really popular now with, uh, with father Mike's podcast, yeah, but, but you were, you were uh, the scripture hipster. You were doing a podcast on scripture before it was cool. <laughs> right. Exactly. Thank you for saying it. Thank you. Um, and, uh, I was on your, uh, podcast just, uh, just a little while as at the, at the time of this recording, I don't think it's come out yet. Um, yeah, I think in April, it'll be mid April yeah, probably. So, and by the time mm-hmm. this episode, this episode of this show, pop culture catechism and that episode of seven mile chats will probably come out about the same time. So you'll see lots of Mike Perfect. and Julia together, um, about, yes. about the same time. So, so that'll be good. Yeah. We talked about, uh, Sirach chapter two, which is, the, I talk a little bit about my story. And so if you want to want to hear more, if you're not sick of Mike college stories yet, <laughs> check that out. I'll put it, I'll make sure the link is in the show notes and all that. Awesome. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so you, you teach middle school which sounds awful, awful to some people. 
but, but uh, I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. I, um, I, when I made the switch from high school to middle school, people kind of warned me and I was like a little hesitant, but I really love middle school age. Um, I remember, I feel like when I'm with them, I remember being in seventh grade. And then you uh, mentioned that this music that, and this, this person that we're talking about is very much a part of like that kind of era. Yeah. I think it was a little bit later for me, mm-hmm. like more high school in the nineties. Um, when she came on the scene, I think she's actually like our age yeah. I mean, you're a little bit younger than me, but I think she was born in like 81 or 82 mm-hmm. and I'm coming up on a big birthday this year. And uh-huh. I think that she is too. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this person in this music is someone, like you said, that we've kind of grown up together with yeah. since we were like my student's age. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, do you remember your first exposure to Britney Spears? Like your first time you heard I, her I was ho- hoping that you'd ask this question. So <laughs> of course, everything is related to in sync for me because yes. I've been a big, I've been a big boy band um, person my whole life. My family is very into pop music. My parents, again, living outside of Cleveland, actually are docents at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And so they, pop music is always a part of my, like growing up. And so in, New Kids on the Block was like the first exposure to boy bands in the 80s. And then um, NSYNC came on the scene in the 90s. So I actually went to an NSYNC show. I remember waiting in line for, it was like the day of homecoming, my senior year, 1998. Mm-hmm. I feel like Sophia from the Golden Girls. It's like, picture it, 1998, <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. And we couldn't buy tickets online back then. So yeah. we had to wait in line like for a ticket master. Yeah. Anyways, so my friend and I, homecoming, 1988, were standing in line waiting for NSYNC tickets. And I, on my ticket said that Britney Spears was opening for NSYNC. So I actually saw Britney open for NSYNC back in the day. It's wow. my, my Claim to fame. Yeah. You were, you, were, you were there when it was happening. <laughs> yeah. We're not kidding about OG, right? Like, OG, I mean, I'm, yeah. I've been in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, for some reason I have, a, I was at my cousin's house and I just remember hearing Britney Spears. And I think, I think one, one of my cousins like had the album and I think, I think my mom or their mom, somebody was upset about Britney being like too sexy and too young or something like that. And I just remember hearing the song and being like, Oh, okay. You know, like that's my first memory <laughs> of Britney Spears, which is uh, interesting considering what, how the conversation has, has changed over the years. It's, you know, she was like a pop phenomenon. She was the, the biggest selling artist of the 2000 or the biggest selling female artist of the 2000s. She has over like a hundred million record sales. She has six number one albums, four number one singles. Um, She's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine albums. She's got a Grammy. She's got Guinness World Record. She's got a ton of MTV Video Music Awards. She's won like the Vanguard Award for her music videos. Uh, she's won seven Billboard Music Awards. So super successful. And like I said, every dance, every party, like Britney was was in the mix. Like she was, you know, Billie Eilish, Dua Lipa, like Taylor Swift. Like she was it. Um, mm-hmm. and girlfriend could move girlfriend could dance, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like she's, she was Im- impressive. Um, and then kind of, uh, she was like the hot thing in music. And then I remember like 2005, 2006, 2007 hit and she became kind of a joke, right? Yeah. She had some, she got married and she got divorced. She had a baby. She was in rehab for something or other. Um, she like shaved her head. And for some reason, mm-hmm. that was like the most shocking thing for people. Like, oh, Britney. I remember when Britney shaved her head because like everyone was talking about Britney shaved her head. And um, I remember around that time, like saying somebody had like gone Britney Spears was almost like a way of saying like, you know, they went a little, they went a little crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. almost like she was a cautionary tale for people about like, oh, this is what happens with fame. This is what happens when you let yourself get too, too taken up with fame. Um, and then 
you know, she continued to, to release albums and I, there, there were some popular songs. My band, my band, the understudies who you, you saw a lot of times, we used to play dance until the world ends. That was one of our, we were playing cover gigs. That, that song was mm -hmm. always a, a crowd pleaser. I'd get on the wall pedal and do kind of a rock version of it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and then just a couple of years ago, there started to be this whole movement about free Britney. Can you introduce us to this a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So you gave a really good summary of kind of where we've been. So we grew up with her having this like nostalgia and there definitely was that controversy of like, and I definitely want to get into that later. Like mm -hmm. they promoted her as this being this pure kind of virginal girl, but then of course she dressed kind of sexy. And mm -hmm. I think we can talk about the dichotomy of that yeah. for sure that in our culture, but like you said, it's a very different time now. Yeah. And then, um, so in 2005, that's kind of when she did make this from 2005, 2008, this kind of like shift. But if you think about it, we were like in our early twenties, like yeah. we were doing crazy, stupid things <laughs> too back then. Maybe you, you know? were, I wasn't, oh, I wasn't. I mean, yeah. in a holy way, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just that time where you're questioning yourself and mm -hmm. people are, you know, are figuring themselves out. Um, so the free Britney movement though. So because of that time in like 2007, 2008, um, there was this thing called a conservatorship ship. So after she went uh, to rehab and kind of went crazy, well, they said went crazy and shaved her head and stuff, they thought that she could no longer take care of herself. Um, and the courts decided this. And usually a conservatorship is for people who are like elderly and really incapacitated yeah. and really can't make decisions yeah, or financial. Like of not sound mind or, or, of, or of judgment, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so this was all kind of imposed on her um, back then, but it still exists today. And so, um, I think a couple of years ago, now that there's Instagram and social media, she has more control of the narrative. Whereas mm -hmm. before in that time, the paparazzi were really the ones in control and like yeah. magazines and tabloids and stuff. Yeah. Now she has more control um, with like Instagram and things. And so I think through social media, she started to reach out a little bit more. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in her world, so I don't know how <laughs> much is like really her and how much yeah. is still being controlled. A lot of people but are I like reading into it. Like, oh, she yes. said this on Instagram. Is this, is this Britney crying for help? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's always, I mean, you started with the song Lucky, like that was from 2000. Mm -hmm. Back then, yeah. I feel like that song was a little bit of a cry for help. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So we can talk about it, but the conservatorship is what spawned the free Britney movement and specifically through the burst of social media over mm -hmm. the past couple of years and her having a little more ownership. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, but just I, when I was, uh, I looked at my phone this morning, just like looking at the news um, at the time of this recording, it said like Britney Spears, it was like two days ago, Britney Spears filed to like get out of the conservatorship. It like yeah. just happened. So maybe by the time this airs, like Britney will be free. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it started this interesting conversation about kind of the way we are, we as a culture treat women uh, yes. in, in, in public. So um, let's, can we pull up a, a picture of young Britney here? So by the way, I, I felt super creepy last night Googling <laughs> pictures of young Britney Spears. And yeah, so. As you said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, purposes here. Had, yeah. to, had to be selective with what I chose. So there's, there's Britney. And as you said, like she is kind of portrayed as this, you know, young, innocent, you know, beautiful girl. She's probably 15, 16, 17, maybe here in this picture. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then they would dress her up like this. Um, mm -hmm. you know, very famously at the MTV video music awards, she donned, you know, stripped down to a bikini and wore a Python or a boa constrictor. I don't know what type of snake it is, but a big old snake uh, around her and danced around. Um, and so I feel like from the beginning, um, whether it was, it was her or her management or whoever, but she was, 
when I say she, I mean like the, the, the industry of Britney Spears, the image of Britney right. Spears was, was, I don't necessarily mean it was her in particular who was making these choices, but, um, she's projecting to the world this, this, Hey, I'm a young girl. I'm just like you, but I'm super sexy, you know? And there, there's kind <laughs> kind of this tension there. Um, and there was even a, an interview where somebody asked about her, her sexiness, um, and, you know, and, and having sex and that sort of thing. And she said, like, she wanted to save sex for marriage, which of course just made the media be like, Whoa, right. like of now we're going to focus on her sexiness even more, you know? Um, so, I mean, let's her, I mean, her music is like super sexy right there. She's bumping and grinding. She's wearing not a lot. <laughs> she's t- talking in kind of a, kind of a, a sultry, sexy voice, uh, in the way that, in the way that she sings, um, like, are these criticisms or criticisms of her valid that she is just like sexing it up for the, for the fame of it all? Um, you know, is there, is from a, from a Christian compassionate Christian point of view, um, can we, you know, not losing sight of the person that Britney Spears is a beloved daughter of God and our brother and sister, uh, you know, made in the image and likeness of God. Is do we have something to say to that? Is there is there a, a a valid criticism there of kind of the 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 sexy facade that was portrayed? Yeah. So I want to. You said a lot there, and I want to touch on a lot of it. So yeah, go for I it. think if people haven't watched the documentary Framing Britney Spears, that yes. this is kind of what brought everything back up as well as the Free mm-hmm. Britney movement. I recommend it because they do a really good job of posing these questions mm-hmm. um, of how we have treated women, especially back then. I think now people are a little bit more hip to like, you know, the different, the, the inequalities. Um, but back then, as you mentioned, you know, she's saying that she's saving herself for marriage. Meanwhile, she's dating Justin Timberlake in, in the early 2000s, which mm-hmm. I was very jealous of. And <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't support her back then, but I'm a big supporter of her now. Um, just because I was jealous. But um, I think that, you know, there's this dichotomy there of like, they're asking him in magazines, you know, did you have sex with her? Mm-hmm. And for him, it's like this glorified, well, yeah, maybe I did. And then mm-hmm. she has to be this kind of original thing. So with feminism, and I know that's a word that, you know, some people have issues with or mm-hmm. don't understand fully. But for me, like, if it's coming from her, and it's a sense of some of her stuff is more empowering, like, um, if she's, if she's coming from place, like I'm stronger and like, this is me. And like, it's really her, but I think back then it was packaged. I don't think it was totally her. And I think she was maybe told to em- embrace it. And so then she did. And when she embraced it, she made it her own. Mm-hmm. But I think at the beginning it was this like kind of packaging and that's not really fair to a girl yeah. to be like, you have to save yourself for marriage and you have to be virginal and pure, mm-hmm. but we want you to look sexy, cute. Cause that sells records. Yeah. So I don't, how much of it was her choice. So I don't feel like, I think we have to be compassionate to her because I think mm-hmm. as a 17 year old girl, she's being told a lot of different messages. Yeah. And then we are too, we're being told a lot of messages. And For as sure. like a young woman back then, like I was like, well, what do I, what do I want? Like, do I want to mm-hmm. be this or do I want to be that? Um, there's the whole body image thing. Like I didn't have a body like Brittany and it's like, mm-hmm. was I supposed to, am I not worth something if I don't have that body? Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot here to unpack for sure. <laughs> yeah. And well, and, and that was the, I think that was an age where they were, we were just starting to talk about, um, body image and unhealthy yeah. depictions of, of body image specifically for, for women. It was the, like the very beginnings of Photoshop and, and photo manipulation, 
Um, there are conversations about eating disorders and, and that sort of thing. We're just beginning to start. I feel like when I was in high school, at least that's when I became aware of them. Um, mm -hmm. And you've, it was very much the fad, these, these low genes and, mm -hmm. you know, showing your midriff and sh showing as much as much as you can. Now it's like the high waisted thing. But back then, know, the, TikTok, there's this big thing on TikTok right now that's like Gen Z versus millennials mm -hmm. and like Gen Z is making fun of millennials for wanting our skinny jeans. And like <laughs> millennials are clapping back being like, look, we were raised on Britney Spears, we were told we had to have these tight, low, like you're uh -huh. lucky that you get to have these like unflattering body positive clothes, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, um, like you, you, you brought up the idea of feminism and I, I think some, some people in, in Catholic circles, we talked about this on our, our WAP episode, which was our first episode of pop culture catechism too. But I think, um, when you have something broad, like feminism, which can mean a lot of different things, has gone through a lot of per permutations. I think there's two things you want to avoid. This, this is how I think about it is there's, there's kind of two extremes you want to avoid as a Christian is, and this, this goes for any movement in any time and place. When I was teaching church history to my students, you know, we would take the same philosophy when we we're studying the Renaissance, same philosophy when we we're studying medieval uh, times, when we we're studying the ancient church, there's the church is never going to be totally at odds or it's never going to be totally at odds with the cultural story. There's always going to be things that are compatible and there's always going to be things that are incompatible. And so the danger is either to totally go with the times and buy into, you know, the most extreme version of feminism and you become more feminist than you are Christian. You become more feminist than you are Catholic. The other side of this is to say, well, that's not Christianity, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. I think that you can just totally shut it down. I think, I think the, the wise Christian thing to do is to discern like what is true, what is good in this message. And how I often phrase it, how I often explain it is like, there's kind of the, the, the Marxist from Karl Marx view of feminism, which is like, it's all about the power struggle, the haves and the have nots and the women don't have, and the men do. And so women need to take power from men. And it be, it's all very much about um, men, ver, men versus women. Right. But there's also the John Paul II personalist, like you see the person, like the dignity of the human right. person and seeing that, you know, in some ways women have been oppressed. You know, it says that right in the book of Genesis that the, as a result of sin, the man will often lord his authority over the woman. Like it's, it's right there in the, in the third chapter of scripture that, that this subjugation of women is, is a real result of sin. And so how do we, as Christians, who are supposed to uplift the lonely, uplift those who have been downtrodden, set, give liberty to the captives, as, as Jesus says in the synagogue when he's quoting Isaiah? Like, how do we, um, how do we see the dignity of the person, especially in a culture which so objectifies women, like Britney Spears? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, that's that's kind of how I, I I think about feminism. I don't know if you have thoughts on what I just said, but. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, for me, feminism is this. I like how you brought the marks up, like. In some ways, we we do want to fight for, for equal power, right? Because we have been oppressed for so long. Mm -hmm. But it is about equality. It's not about one dominating the other. It's yes. like we just right now want to be seen as equals mm -hmm. and to be able to have a similar voice. Yeah. Um, and for some people, you know, letting a woman do whatever she wants, like they, they think that is. And I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think there are, you know, consequences that, that should be like there are with great power comes responsibility. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think there is something to be said for the way that we portray ourselves. Um, 
I always try to dress very modestly just because that's that's a lot of things like maybe I'm self-conscious about my body, mm-hmm. but I also want to demand a certain type of respect from people. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always dress the way that I do. But that's not to say, you know, we know in our culture today that can be very dangerous. We don't want to say like, well, you dress that way. So therefore you get to do, you know, you get to be treated the way that you're treated. That's not okay. Yeah, either. absolutely. Yeah. No matter and how you so, dress, no matter how a woman dresses, it's not okay to objectify her or use her. Absolutely. So, yeah. so uh-huh. I think that going back to Christ, which is what we're here to do, I think about him in the gospels and how, I mean, this, this is not a new phenomenon of women being looked at, looked at for their, mm-hmm. their bodies and being oppressed or whatever. Nope. Um, I, I, you know, Jesus, reached out to them and loved them and treated them as equals, had conversations with them when they were just maybe passed by or looked down upon. And so to go back to your original question about like, how do we treat Britney Spears? Like, well, we, we should be having a conversation with her. We should be trying to, I mean, we can't, she's a famous person, mm-hmm. but like engaging in a conversation around her that's compassionate just as Jesus would yes. and not looking down at her, passing her by or mm-hmm. saying like, well, she dressed like that. So therefore she brought this on herself. Like we can't say that we have to always go with compassion because that's what Christ did for women in the scriptures. And that's one of the things I, I love about him. I love the Samaritan woman encounter, you know, mm-hmm. where he's called her out for having five husbands and she's just like, yeah, but, and they have this conversation about it. Like he treats her as an equal. And mm-hmm. that's, I think what we're looking for with feminism is like to have, to be in the conversation mm-hmm. and to be, to be heard and listened to mm-hmm. and not looked down upon and mansplained to immediately mm-hmm. after. You yeah. Know? So, and and I think that's that's something that me as a man I haven't always seen, and it's only through listening to my to my friends who are women, and in conversations and seeing that like when I asked them, it was like, is is is, is mansplaining a thing ever? Like to like to do men talk over you <laughs> sometimes? And and most of my female friends are like yes all the time. Like I'll say something in a meeting that's a great idea, and then nobody will pay attention. And then later on in the meeting, a guy will say the same exact idea, and people will listen to him when they didn't listen to me. And yeah. so many of my female friends have shared stories like that. Like there's there is something to that unconscious bias that you know I tr- I I try to be sensitive to. I remember when I was I was probably like 22 at the time and I was uh, a lifeguard. I was the manager of our pool and I was going away for the weekend and so I needed to leave one of the other lifeguards in charge and my assistant manager wasn't going to be there either. So I needed to go to like one of the other guards and I was like, "All right." So I I picked another one of the guys would be like, "All right, you're going to be in charge this weekend." And one of the girls spoke up and she was like, I have more experience than him. I've been here longer than him. Why'd you pick him? And I thought it was like, I don't know. I don't know why I picked him. Kelly, you're in charge, you know, <laughs> like, and, yeah. and if she hadn't spoken up, like, it, like I see myself as, you know, not a jerk, not a sexist, not a misogynist, you know, I, but like, why did, why did I make that? Like in, uh, you know, I don't know. So there, there's been, um, I know I've just tried to, tried to look at myself and, and, and examine myself and, and see, you know, where does that unconscious bias happen and where, where does it come from and, and how do we, how do we fight against it? So. Yeah, there's a, a book and it's very small and, and you know, it's not necessarily Catholic text, but mm-hmm. um, it's called, we should all be feminists. Mm-hmm. And um, it, in Beyonce quotes it in, mm-hmm. a, in a song called flawless. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase, but it's the, I, it, the quote is about that. We teach women to aspire to marriage mm-hmm. and we don't teach men the same thing. Mm-hmm. We teach we teach women to be competitive for men mm. and like teaching them to be competitive for jobs. Like we could, we teach men would be amazing. And then, mm-hmm. and then we would be more 
equal, but we teach women to, to strive for marriage, but we don't teach that to men necessarily. And so yeah. there's a, a, already on this unequal footing yeah. in marriages and in jobs. And all we're saying with feminism is that we want to be in the conversation in the same way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what I mean? at least for me. And that's my, my personal opinion. And so, um, I feel like there's something else you said that I wanted to to touch upon, but um, I think it's just so ingrained in our culture. Like it's just been taught this way for so long. But this is what I wanted to say is that I was some, I applaud that your, um, your female friend that said, Hey, and spoke up because mm-hmm. oftentimes when women do speak up, then we're used, you mm-hmm. know, there's a, a word that we're called or we're seen as too aggressive or too assertive. Uh-huh. Um, and I, as a really loud spoken, you know, me mm-hmm. like independent woman, I've, I've never been one to keep quiet and I think that's maybe kept me from certain things or maybe made me look in a certain way, mm-hmm. um, in negative way, because we teach men to be aggressive, but not women. And so then it's that, again, that dichotomy of like, well, you guys get to be loud and vocal and that's great. But when mm-hmm. a woman does it, like, Hey, She's a bee. Yeah. Uh-huh. exactly. Yeah, and that's so, not fair. So, so a little, little bit of a language uh, uh, warning here. So you might want to pause it if there's, if there's kids nearby or put in your earbuds, yeah. but the, the, the B word, and I'll say it in a, a few seconds. So here's your chance to, to mute it. The, the B word is kind of become in the beginning of Britney's career, kind of like her, her musical calling card was, Oh baby, baby. It was in every song. Right. And you knew it was a Britney yeah. song because it started off with, Oh baby, baby. Um, and then around 2010, last chance to mute, it became the word bitch. And yeah, she then give me more with it's Britney bitch. Yeah. That's it's like Britney her, bitch. Yeah. There's a clip. It's really cute. Like that. Um, she did her Vegas show and people knew what this, what the next song was going to mm-hmm. be. And so they were just like, say it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, she said this. Yeah. Song. And Sorry, there's, there's my wife in her workout mix. She has that, that song work bitch. Um, yeah. which is <laughs> when you're talking about like her music and I uh-huh. know that, you know, there are some like sexy things, but like it gets you going. Like you want to dance, you want to mm. work out. So anyways, yeah. Work bitch is a great, great song that we can talk about, yeah, but yeah. sorry. So, so but let's, this- let's talk about that word bitch. Like what is, what yeah. does it mean? And how is it, how, what, what are the dynamics going on in the cultural conversations around it? Yeah. I think, I think originally it was used to what I was explaining before. This is also kind of a weird, there's a Netflix show and it's may not be for everybody, but it's like about the origins of swear words and huh. Nic- Nicholas Cage, like, um, host it. It's interesting, interesting if people are into that. Yeah. Anyways, so the word bitch, I think originally was used to be more like what I was describing earlier to look down a woman for being aggressive and strong. Mm-hmm. But I think now, um, with like with Brittany, what she's doing when she says it's Brittany bitch, she's reclaiming that word. And we've seen yeah. that kind of with other people in other cultures to reclaiming words that were slurs or negative and mm-hmm. using it to be empowered. So like yeah. when I say, that I'm a bad bitch or like mm-hmm. that woman is a bad bitch. Like it's a good thing, uh-huh. but you can't say that about yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, there's, do you watch Parks and Rec ever? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's that episode where, where Leslie, like one of the, I forget who it is, but one of the other people in the office, like is tweeting about her as a boss and it's like hashtag boss bitch. And he's like, am I, is that bad or good? Is it good to be a boss bitch or right. is it bad? It's like, no bitch boss would be good. Boss bitch is bad. But it's like, wait, what? I don't understand. There's this whole whole conversation about when it is used well and when it's not. And it's interesting because that word can also be used for a man. Like when you use the yeah. word bitch for a man, it means it's he's like, like he's yeah. wimpy. He's wimpy, right? Yeah. But if you, use the, if you use the word bitch for a woman, it's like she's aggressive, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting how the same word means the opposite thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it almost means like you're not conforming to our cultural gender stereotype. Ooh, I right? like that. Isn't Absolutely. that, isn't that how it's often used? It's like, 
Yes. That's a really good point. And I think I agree with that. Man, you are not acting like how our society says a man should act. You are a bitch. You're a little bitch, you know, woman, you are not acting as our society says you're such a bitch like that. That's how that word is often used. It's it's so interesting. (laughs) This is, I've never thought of it that way, but you actually absolutely hit it on the head there. And I, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not sure why that is that why it's become this connotation, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh-huh. And um, I, so again, this is where I think the wisdom of John Paul II, who's right. Nope. I pointed the wrong way right there. That's mother, <laughs> that's mother, that's mother Teresa. I can't, anyway, I'm all confused with my left and my right. I have to turn around to see. Um, but when he talks about, um, like male and female and like the differences between male and female, and like the feminine genius and the, and the feminine charism and masculine charism, he doesn't do it in this way where it's like exclusive, right? Where it's like, this is only how men are. This is only how women are. Like he talks about women and the great gift of, of the receptivity of the woman body to welcome life and how, um, you know, Mary is great, very receptive to God. And so that can kind of be a key for women's holiness to be, to, to, to give birth in a spiritual way, to be a spiritual mother, even if you're not a biological mother to this great care that you care for people with. But that doesn't mean that like a guy can't be nurturing. It doesn't mean right. that a guy doesn't have to be receptive in his relationship to God because I'm, I'm part of the church. The church is, is a, a she and, and in relation to Christ who is the bridegroom. So it, it's not exclusive where it's like, unless you fit this mold, you are a bad man. Unless you fit right. this mold, you are a bad woman. He like looks at, at the, the, the female body and the female person and says, this is a key for how we can be open to God. And he does the same thing for, for, for men as, as, as the lover, as the initiator, like, and not that women can't be lovers and can't be initiators, but there's something in, in man that is called to, to give himself and to, to, and to seek and to pursue. And that can be a real key for men. And again, it's not exclusive. It doesn't mean you're a bad man if you don't fit, if you don't fit our cultural a stereotype or if, if you're a bad woman. Um, and I just, I just love the way he talks about it and the, the, how he never loses sight of the human person, that fundamental human dignity at the, yeah. at the center of it. And, and this is, this, somebody explained it to me this way, that it, when we talk about these images of, of male and female and the differences between it's meant to be descriptive, not prescriptive, meaning mm-hmm. it's describing what we see often see in men and we can see the good in that. And that can be a guide for me as a man to like grow into my manliness in Christ. But it doesn't mean that if I don't fit the stereotype that I'm not a good man because no man is going to fit totally the stereotype and it's not even good for them to totally fit the stereotype. Um, and we shouldn't take cues from our cultural stereotype and pretend that it's actually what the church teaches. Um, you know, so uh, I don't know. I, I said a lot there. Um. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Thank you for explaining it that way. Cause uh-huh. I think a lot of times I've heard a lot of theology of the body talks in my mm-hmm. day and, um, and I've given some and like, mm-hmm. they haven't all been good. And I think the way that you explained it was perfect. Cause I think even with theology, of the body, sometimes we still pare it down to like the woman has to be receptive. The mm-hmm. man has to be the initiator. And, and I like how you said, cause I've never fit that stereotypical mode. Like, yeah. you know, I, I feel I am very aggressive. I am initiator in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So then what does that mean? Am I not feminine enough? Mm-hmm. And as you know me, I'm also very feminine. So mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like I've always kind of like those gender roles. And I'm glad we're having these conversations now where it's not so much about the gender role. Like there is mm-hmm. beauty in embracing like, like what you said, who you are as a person. And again, back to that equality, like I'm, I'm never going to be the same as a man, but I just want to be in that conversation and have Mm -hmm. the same opportunities. And 
getting get to be my full self, just like men get to uh, the more freedom to be. But I mean, not not all the time. Like like you yeah. just described, mm-hmm. sometimes men are looked down upon for being too caring or too feminine as well. And mm-hmm. so I think all we're asking for is just to have just to, to be ourselves to the fullest. Yeah. And and I like how you explain that. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think when and not not that the church hasn't gotten this wrong, not that people in the church don't get this wrong. But um, what I think the, when the church is doing this right. It actually sets us free from those societal expectations. Right. Yeah. Like I don't have to be manly macho man to be a real man. Right. Like who is, who is my model of manliness? It's Christ. Right. Right. Christ did not fit a lot of the stereotypes. He intentionally broke a lot of the stereotypes. People were expecting to him come in like King David, like Moses and like cut some people down. And he's like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm, I'm suffering servant. I am gentle. I am meek. I am mild. Um, and not that he didn't throw down sometimes, but he broke a lot of stereotypes and like he, he is my model to be like Christ. Um, you mentioned Mary earlier too. And I've struggled in my relationship with Mary. I think mm -hmm. because I was taught that like, Oh, she was just quiet and meek. And the more I get to know her and, and I mean, I read about her, like she pondered, she was analytical in the enunciation scene. Like she speaks up, she asks a question. She's like, hold up. How can this be? (laughs) Because Uh (laughs) practically logically doesn't make sense. And she speaks up for herself and then she ponders and then she says, yes, like she has a voice. And the more I think about that scene, the more I see how empowered she is. And I think I wasn't taught that necessarily growing up. I was just like, oh, she received, she received the Holy Spirit. And she just kind of took it all and pondered it in her heart, like in a, almost in a very meek way, which I never related to again, as I've Mm -hmm. described myself. So I feel like the more I look, I'm like, she was a young girl. She was given something that was huge, you know, and, and, and her yes is powerful. And so if we, we look at her in that, that empowerment way. And so not to bring it back to Brittany, but like, we're the yeah, same bring, it back. bring it back to Brittany. I mean, how do we look at her? Like, I mean, I think she's probably <clears throat> as many of us gone through phases in her life where maybe at the beginning, she was just kind of like this meek, just saying yes. But I think she was able to eventually take her platform and say, no, I'm going to take, I'm going to change the narrative. I'm going to say it's Brittany bitch. Mm-hmm. But then now she's been silenced again. And so mm-hmm. I think the movement to bring it back to that is like, what we're trying to say is like, just give her a voice. If she's able to make her own decisions and she's healthy, mm. you know, let's, let's give her a voice again. Yeah. And, and I love, um, uh, so we're talking about Mary and how she's kind of a badass is I wanted to talk <laughs> so the, the Magnificat, which is like her, her great prayer that she says at the visitation when she goes to stay with her, her, uh, cousin Elizabeth and like the, the John the Baptist leaps in the womb of, of Elizabeth. And this is, you know, um, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That's where that comes from that story. Uh, what does Mary do? right after that, she sings the Magnificat, which is all about casting down the mighty from their thrones and yeah. lifting up the lowly. It's like kind of it's revolutionary. Badass. Yeah. It's badass. And like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's part of the liturgy. The hours like priests and religious and those who pray the liturgy hours, like they pray that prayer every day. It's like Mary's badass song about like, Jesus is coming to set things aright and let it be done through me. According to your word, like we're, we're here to shake some stuff up to bring liberty to captives, to lift up the lowly. There's broken people here that need to be healed. There, there is messed up ideas of, of religion and power, um, that aren't, aren't just going to be fixed one day in the future in heaven. Yes. But also God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus came to make that kingdom in the here and now, like we're already called to start living that way now to have that heavenly vision in the midst of this earthly mess that we live in. Um, so yeah, yeah I love, I, I, I love Mary. And, and also throughout yeah. the history of the church, we have so many badass women like St. Teresa of Avila and Catherine of Siena, who was who like 
you know, she fixed the Great Western Schism in the church. I'm a, I'm a church history nerd. Um, but there was this huge schism in the middle of the Middle Ages where we had like a, a schism. There was a pope in Rome. There was a pope in France. And there was like another pope in Rome. We had three popes at one point. And the reason that happened is because there was like this noisy kind of, some would say, bitchy woman, <laughs> Catherine of Siena, right. who like threw down and was like, look, pope, time to time to get your stuff together. Um, so... <laughs> Actually, yeah. recently, um, something that you and I um, have done together, you introduced me to the Holy Ruckus, mm -hmm. uh, which is a blog. And so I actually yeah. just coming up, I wrote a piece about women in scripture who live boldly. Yeah. And I think, you know, Mary Magdalene, she was the first real evangelizer. She's the first one that received the good news that Jesus was risen and like went out. And there's so many Old Testament women, too. So like pe mm -hmm. women using their voice mm -hmm. is a good thing. Yeah. So we've tried to silence them, I think, in, for so for so long. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's a women who are, have the courage to be bold and go, I mean, it's a good thing. And that's why I use the media. That's why I do what I do because I feel like it can be used for good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And, and again, there was something I was going to say, but, uh, so I want, let's, 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 let's bring it back to, to, to Brittany again. Um, because I do like, yes, she, she is like, see, I want to, I want to push back on Brittany a little bit because okay. she has, she has seized the power you know, in, in like owning that word, word bitch and like trying to control the narrative. Um, but I want to, I want to be clear. Cause I, I do think that in, from the, the church, like we see power differently, like there's a different sort of empowerment. And a, I think there's a mistake that can be made in, in, in the owning of the word. Um, I think there, there can be a part of that. That's, that's misguided because it's like, I, you know, I, you know, women have been objectified. Women have been abused and used and, and called bitches. And it, there, there, it, there can be a response to that, which is like, well, now I'm going to take the power. Now I'm going to be the objectifier. Now I'm going to be the abuser. And that, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about like Marxist feminism. It's like not just an uplifting thing of women, but women gaining a power over men and abusing them in a way that, that, women have traditionally been, been abused. And we talked about this in the WAP episode, um, about like women using sex to manipulate men. And like that, that's not the sort of empowerment, like the, the healthy sort of empowerment that comes from sex is like a loving relationship that is, that is, that is mutual and, um, submissive to one another. Um, as it says in, in, in Ephesians five, like the husband and wife should submit to each other. And this is a great mystery. Like that's where the real empowerment comes. It comes from community. Um, not, not from, well, you used to hold me down. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to take that power and hold you down. Sure. So does that make I sense? I still feel like, yeah, totally. I still feel like the instances of women oppressing men are very few. And far oh between. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying no, to make a comparison. Yeah. Uh -huh. goal. I see what you're saying completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I was, when I, I texted you yesterday because I watched the framing Britney Spears thing again, and to see all the paparazzi that were what, kind of the reason that she kind of went a little bit in, you know, yeah. crazy. It was, I mean, it's pretty much all men that yeah. there was one woman I saw in the crowds, like trying to take pictures of her, mm -hmm. but it was all men talking to her being like, Hey, sweetie, give us a picture. And mm -hmm. like, and I, and, and her completely like not wanting it. So it wasn't yeah. even, and this kind of gets into like catcalling and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's this false idea that, well, it should be flattering. Like, and, and when they, in this interview with the framing Britney Spears, like the guy was like, you know, she kind of likes it. And it's, mm -hmm. that's not the case at all. Like that's, yeah. uh, there's this mis narrative of like, we, 
we want that kind of attention mm -hmm. or you know, yeah. so therefore it's flattering. And that's not necessarily the case either. But I yeah, see yeah. what you're saying. That's kind of a little bit different than what you were saying. But I wanted to bring that up because I do feel like more often than not, we see men being the oppressor, the voyeur. And yeah, then yeah. maybe there's this conception of like, well, mm -hmm. women really like it and women, women really like mm -hmm. For sure. know, want to put on a show. And I, I mean, sure. and Brittany, I mean, she says in her circus song, like, it's like, I want to put on a show, but I feel like mm -hmm. it's for her, it's a little bit more empowering. I don't know. I yeah. might be getting myself to it. I like that song circus. And this, this is not quite related <laughs> to what we were talking about, but I, I always thought it was funny where she, there's a part where she's like, I'm like a performer. And it's like, well, really you are a yeah, performer, are a performer, Brittany. Yeah. But when I went back and looked at the lyrics of that song, it's, I don't think it's written from the perspective of international superstar, Britney Spears, who is dancing on stage as a performer. It's written from the perspective of like, I'm a girl going to the club and I can dance. Yeah. I can move. Right. I'm, I'm so good in the club. I'm like a performer and everyone's going to stop and be like, dang girl, you can move. Right. And like, like our, our friend Kat, who's an awesome dancer. Like, I, I don't know if you remember when you're at CUA at, at orientation, she did the, the dirty pop dance from, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And it was, it was, it was like for all the freshmen who were having this big event and they played dirty pop and cat who a lot, we like knew she talked about like being a dancer, but we'd like never seen her dance. And, uh, she got in and did this crazy awesome dance to dirty pop and everyone was just like, oh, you know, and I kind of, I think of her with that song is like dancing is where I come alive, you know, and there's, there, I have a real passion for this. And, um, anyway, so that I, I was looking back at that song. It really spoke to me. Uh, a lot of, that, a lot so. of Britney songs, I think like, um, I'm a slave for you, for example, if mm. that sounds terrible, like yeah. why would you want to use that term? But the whole song is about her talking about being a slave to the music, like that mm. the music kind of like controls her. And again, that's problematic lyrics for mm. sure. But like, it's a lot of her songs, I think, even though they have these sexual overtones mm -hmm. um it's really when you get down to it like you did with circus it's i think about her being a dancer and like being into the music but not mm -hmm. many people are going to think about that so then yeah. that's kind of our responsibility to think about you know am i gonna let my child listen to this um do am i okay with the you know i think that's back yeah. on her we can't put all the responsibility on her and i mm -hmm. think that you and i want to talk a little about cancel culture i don't know if we have time to do that yeah I, I, uh man <laughs> there's so so many things we could talk about and and we we've hit um we, we don't have a whole lot of time so i i think um like what uh, what i what i'd like to do with the, with the last few minutes is i want to talk about kind of our our takeaways, like what lessons can we learn from the story of Britney Spears? Like us, us as Christians, as Catholics, trying, trying to be light and salt in the world, trying to love people as best we can. Um, what lessons can we take from the story of Britney Spears? Um, you know, things she's done well, things she hasn't done well, um, ways people have treated her, her terribly and now kind of like her redemption. What are some what are some takeaways going forward? Like how how can we learn from this and, and treat people better, be a better church? Well, I think I've I've had like a conversion about her myself. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely in the beginning was like jealous of her or didn't like the way that um, her and her management like portrayed her body, and mm -hmm. I, I struggled with that. But having watched that documentary and just seeing how much that she had been through, it's called on me as a Christian to be like, oh yeah, like I can't. People are complex, yeah. And as we talked about. We can't go with the stereotypes. Mm -hmm. um, people are are more than that. And so it, I think it comes down to just treating people with compassion, treating yeah. people as you would want to be treated and as mm -hmm. Christ did ultimately and, and allowing them to be part of conversation and, and talking to them gently and um, and listening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something that I feel like I've, I've been thinking about with this is when we see 
Like, I, I think it is a, a worthwhile Christian thing. If you see a problematic thing in, in media, in broader culture to call it out. So if you see the objectification of women, even if that's happening with that woman's permission, I think that that's a good thing to call out. But I think the mistake that we've often made as a church is it comes, the, the message comes across as sex is bad. Uh, she's bad. She's a temptress. Um, and to place undue attention on when women are doing that and not so much on when men are doing right. that. And to to, right. to fall into the double standard that our 21st century American culture often has rather than seeing the fundamental dignity and, you know, being just as, as you know, ca- calling out Justin Timberlake just as much as um, we, we would uh, a Britney Spears and, and, and that sort of thing. So that that's, and just never losing sight of the person, kind of, as you said, people are complex, people are on a journey um, and having compassion for the person and seeing Brittany as a child and a daughter of God and our brother and sister. Um, and yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's kind of my takeaway. Um, but there, man, I'm going to, I'm going to be listening back to this episode a few times because there's so much stuff you brought up and then stuff that I've kind of been thinking out loud as we're talking through. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear your comments, uh, viewers, in, in in the comments, because this this is we've broken open a lot of eggs here. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure we have an omelet, but um if you would <laughs> you would help us in the comments, of course, in chair in charitable ways, trying to trying to see the 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 good as well as what, what you disagree with. That would that would be helpful. Um because it's my show and I can, I cannot let this episode end without talking about Max Martin. Do you know who Max Martin is? That's the guy who wrote. Like a lot, of, the songs, a lot right? of her songs and wrote a ton of songs for Backstreet Boys, uh, in sync and also Taylor Swift, Adele, Kelly Clarkson, Dua Lipa. He's worked with everyone. He has more number one hits than like anyone else in the, in the history, um, of, of, of music. Um, and just one thing that, um, cause I'm such a music nerd. Um, one thing I love in Britney's music that he does and kind of dominated that whole area is that whole era is like the, the secondary chorus where chorus, you expect it to go back into a repeat of the chorus, but it's just like a little bit different. So instead of stronger than yesterday, it's stronger than yesterday. And so many songs, so many songs have it where it's an alternate chorus. And if you go back and listen to that era, like all of the NSYNC Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears songs have that alternate chorus. And then a lot of times they sing it over the top of the other chorus. Like I want it that way has it. Yeah. Um, uh, bye, bye, bye has it. Yeah. Um, uh, I want you, I want you back. Like so many of those songs have it anyway. And I love yeah. that. And as a songwriter, I've tried to work that in. And I just think Max Martin is, is a brilliant guy. Um, so that would have fit more at the better beginning of the episode, but whatever. Um, last thought, <laughs> last thoughts on, 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 on Britney before we, we close this out. No, I love that you just brought that up. Um, you know, she didn't write a, a ton of her music, mm-hmm. but um, I think, t- again, towards the middle, she did start to have a little bit more of a say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You had mentioned, like, things to kind of maybe for further listening and, re- yeah. and like, research and stuff. Um, her song, Every Time, I believe that she did have a say in hand, and it's very pretty kind of, like, eerie music box piano music. And nice. you know, I play piano. Um, but it's a, kind of like a very sad song. It's like her response to the Justin Timberlake cry me a river. Mm. And I feel like it's very vulnerable. And I, I would encourage people to maybe check that song out. The video is very disturbing, yeah. but the song is really, is really pretty. Um, but again, it just shows how complex 
she is and gives her a little bit of a voice because as you mentioned, a lot of, you know, her songs are written by a guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you mentioned Dua Lipa who Mm -hmm. I love and Taylor Swift. Dua Lipa has an amazing song called boys will be boys Mm -hmm. that I think speaks to like the themes that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And then Taylor Swift's the man um, lover Mm -hmm. is another one. That's like kind of this idea of like, if I were a man, then I'd be the man. Yeah. Uh Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, well, Britney songs people got to listen to. What are your favorite Britney songs? I mean, we've mentioned, I love stronger. Cause again, mm-hmm. it's that echo of empowerment after it's like the follow up to baby one more time. Yeah. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm so sad. And, and then in stronger, she's like, my loneliness isn't killing me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So stronger yeah. is a favorite uh-huh. circus is a favorite. Is I actually a love bop. womanizer. Like, I don't know. It's something about the, like the, it's just such a good dance song. Yeah. Uh-huh. What are some of your favorites? Yeah. Well, and Womanizer is interesting because it's kind of like, I see you. I know what kind of guy you are. It's almost, it's almost cautionary in a way. Um, I love, yeah. I love Circus. Circus is great. A uh, Toxic, I think is my all time favorite. That's mm. just, so, it's so creative the way that song is written. It's a, it's, it's a really cool song. Um, and uh, Dancing Till the World Ends. I, I love it. I played that song so many times and like we would vamp on it because people would start dancing. We didn't want to stop. And we would, we would do like 10 minute versions of that song. Yeah. And my, my foot would be tired. Yeah. Like- 2011, 2012, yeah. that was like uh-huh. really popular. My foot, my foot would be tired from going on the wah pedal so much. <laughs> so, but yeah, <laughs> I love that song too. And there was a couple of remixes of it with Nicki Minaj and so forth. So, um, let's, let's pray. I always like to, um, cover everything we do on this show in prayer. Um, would do you mind closing us in a prayer where we, we pray for Brittany and, and just yeah. everything we talked about? Absolutely. Awesome. Let's do it. In the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you so much for this conversation. I ask that you continue to open up our hearts um, for deeper conversion in whatever areas that may be challenging for us as we hear and listen back to this episode. Lord, if there's areas that we need to grow in terms of understanding men and women better and misconceptions, um, I ask that you would shine a light to those areas, Lord. Help us to have more conversations and to listen to one another a little bit better. Help us to um, to grow in those areas, Lord. And we do pray and lift up Brittany. Um, may she understand her worth and her value. Maybe she'd be given her voice. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Julia. Thank you for being here. My, my old friend, it's so good to, to spend time with you and, and collaborate with you and, and, and work with you and talk about music. Like this is a conversation we would have had like totally. at your house <laughs> in 2009 when I like knocked on your door. We used to live across the street from each other. And I was, <laughs> I was the Kimmy Gimbel. I was that neighbor that was like, Hey, are you guys awake? Can I come over and just like hang out, you know, and we would have a beer and we'd have a conversation like this. <laughs> so. Totally. Like you don't even need a platform. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie would be like, I'm going to bed guys, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, um, really it's been, so thank you. Thank you for being here and have, and being willing to have kind of a controversial, um, discussion in public on the internet. So, uh, thank you for that. Um, do you have, do you have any shout outs? Anybody want to give a shout out to? Um, well, I'd encourage people to maybe check out my podcast. Um, Mike is going to be on in a mm-hmm. couple of weeks, as you mentioned. And also we referenced Ephesians 5. Mm-hmm. And I just did an episode with a friend. I did net ministries for a year. And yeah. so I interviewed a, a former teammate who's married with children about that verse. Because that's a verse I've always kind of struggled with. Mm-hmm. So that's an episode to check out of my podcast, Seven Mile Chat. So if you could listen, subscribe, follow, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And they can find you on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Uh, yeah. Instagram is at seven mile chats all spelled mm-hmm. out. And then Twitter, I have more for my teaching. I mentioned that I was mm-hmm. a teacher. And so if you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at M S S T R U K E L Y one, the struckly one. Mm-hmm. Is there a website for seven mile chats? 
Um, there's like an RSS feed. Okay, and gotcha. So so just, just, just search in your uh, podcast app. For seven mile and, chats. And if you search for seven mile chats, it will pop up. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, so, and all, all those contact info. So, so people can, can, can find you. Um, thank you, Julia. I'll, I'll yeah. talk to you soon. I'm sure. Thank you listeners for being with us on, on this wide, wide ranging and deep conversation. Um, and again, please let us know charitably, uh, in the comments, uh, what you, what you, what you think. So, uh, thank you. And you can support this show and others like it by becoming part of the awakened nation by going to awakencatholic.org and, uh, making a monthly donation and that helps everything that happens here happen. Um, you can also give us a like, a subscribe, a share, all that helps us grow. Send it to somebody who you think would find this conversation edifying. Um, and just thank you for being with us. We love you. We'll see you next time. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by the Awakened Nation and the Hollow app. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.